Today, we're talking Michigan, the back-to-back Big Ten champions. Can the Gophers have any chance at beating them in week six? You are locked on Golden Gophers. No matter what we're going to do here, we're just going to keep rowing. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Uh, Golden Gophers. Whatever it turns out, we're just going to keep rowing. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're just going to keep rowing, keep rowing, and keep rowing. You're listening to Lockdown Golden Gophers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Kane Robb, host of the podcast, former collegiate football video coordinator and recruiting assistant here to talk Golden Gophers with you each and every day of the week, Monday through Friday. We're currently in our breakdowns behind the enemy lines, talking every single opponent on the Gophers 2023 football schedule, talking about the changes, talking about the strengths, weaknesses, and the make or break moments for the Gophers versus that team this year. Now, before we jump into that, we're going to talk about our fall camp kickoff presser that was yesterday, some of the insights we gleaned from PJ Flex. So if you want everything to know about your Gophers on a daily basis, be sure to hit subscribe over on YouTube and follow wherever you get the podcast at Locked On Golden Gophers. I appreciate appreciate y'all for listening. I appreciate the comments that we get down below. Which game do you think holds the most weight in this season for the Gophers in 2023? Is it Michigan? Is it North Carolina? Is it Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa? Which game holds the most weight? I want you to drop that in the comments below on YouTube, but let's dive in on the fall camp kickoff presser. So yesterday we got the first official presser with Gophers head coach PJ Fleck to talk about Gophers fall camp, which kicked off yesterday. The first practice was prior to the presser. Now, Coach Fleck had some insights that we can take and look forward to in this year's camp, including a couple camp battles that are definitely going to be prominent in this year's camp. That two of those camp battles are happening on the O-line. Now, it seems like the left tackle is locked in with Ariante Ursary. Nathan Bowe is more than locked in at center. And then you've got Quinn Carroll, who they prefer. Coach Flex said he prefers to keep him at the right guard position. He really likes what he's seen from him at the right guard, though he said they have the comfortability to move him outside if they need to. But he doesn't feel like they need to because they have so much talent in the room. So most likely Quinn Carroll will be locked in at that right guard position. So that leaves left guard and that leaves right tackle. Now, the main battles in those two positions, the top two in each of those two positions seems to be kind of established at the left guard. It seems like we're looking at Carter Shaw, the Utah State transfer from two years ago that has been a very reliable backup over the past season or so. And then Tyler Cooper, a guy who Coach Flex said in the presser, Now is his time. He knows that now is his time and he needs to go into full overdrive to win the starting job and get the starting opportunity. So Tyler Cooper is very much in the conversation at the left guard position. And those are the two guys leading that race on the left guard side. Then on the right tackle position, we are looking at Martez Lewis, who hasn't played a ton of games for the Gophers, but has all the upside, has been a valuable backup, actually had the highest Gophers pass block grade across all O-linemen last season, even though he played in limited snaps, versus 
J.J. Gaudet, a player who has come in and started multiple games during the COVID season. He's had experience, but he has dealt with and been hampered by injuries throughout his career. So it, last year, it was Martez Lewis, J.J. Gaudet, and Quinn Carroll all battling for that right tackle spot. Quinn Carroll kicks inside the right guard, and now you've got the two who were in that competition and didn't win it last year trying to win it again this year. Now, if I had to put some money down, if I had to go with my gut and say who I think probably will lead the way into the starting of the season, I think Martez Lewis, that's my guy. If you've listened to the show at all, you probably know I've been a big fan of his over the past season or so, and I believe he will win the right tackle position. He's got more size. He's got a little bit more athleticism, in my opinion, which might be surprising because J.J. Gaudet is a very nice athlete. But also, knowing that his health has been consistent, I think that could be a big factor here. So I think that that will be his battle to lose when it comes to Martez Lewis. And then on the left guard side, man, that one is a toss-up. But going off of what PJ Flex said, I think they're really intrigued by Tyler Cooper. Now, that doesn't mean he just gets it automatically. But I think that if he goes out there and he shows, Coach, I've been working this summer. I've been putting in the work. I'm going to be mistake-free. If he can go mistake-free, I think that that job can be his. If errors pop up, if he just doesn't show up and show out, then I think it's Carter Shaw's for the taking. So that's kind of the guard and the tackle battle on the O-line. We're still going to wait for more insights in that running back room, uh, but it looks like there are four guys that could potentially really push for touches in that room in Darius Taylor, in Zach Evans, in Sean Tyler, and Bryce Williams. So those four will definitely kind of be in a battle to see who takes the more one and two lock approach when it comes to the running back room. Now that could change by the game plan, but it's something to look forward to in fall camp. And then one thing that'll be really interesting, in my opinion, is to pay attention on how they're using the wide receivers, how they're rotating the wide receivers, who's playing in which slots. Is Daniel Jackson getting a lot of slot work like we saw in spring, especially in the spring game? Or does he work more outside, more exclusively, and sometimes in the slot? Where does Chris Ottman Bell work in as he gets fully back to health? Where does Lamecki Brockington and Elijah Spencer, both of those guys are more outside receivers. Do they stay strictly outside? Do they work in tandem? Do they replace each other? Those are some of the insights we'll gather, and we will always be talking about it all fall camp here over at Lockdown Golden Gophers. So be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any of that. Now, also in the presser yesterday, I had asked Coach Fleck about Craig McDonald. Craig McDonald, if you don't know, is the transfer from Auburn. He actually was from the Minnesota area. He played at Minnehaha Falls, which uh, combines with multiple schools to multiple private schools to have a football team together. He played with the team with Jalen Suggs and others that went to the state championship. Then he went on to Iowa State. From Iowa State, he used his one-time free transfer to go to Auburn. And then he ended up transferring last year from Auburn or this summer from Auburn to Minnesota. So that means he used up his free transfer and the Gophers had to apply for immediate eligibility. Now, what would give him immediate eligibility in this case? Well, when he went to Auburn, the coach that he committed to, to use his one-time free transfer, got fired at the end of the season. And so that kind of takes away from why he would want to go there to the NCAA committee that this makes these waiver eligibility decisions. On top of that, Craig McDonald got injured last year and wasn't able to play 
very many snaps in general on the entire season because of that injury, meaning not only did he go to commit to Auburn for that coach, but he wasn't really able to play for that coach. So he wasn't able to do what he wanted to do in that one-time free transfer, which is what it's there for. If you're not a fit in your old teams and you feel like you just need a different opportunity, you can use that transfer to find the right opportunity one time for free. Well, that opportunity was kind of taken from him. And so that's why he does have some consideration for immediate eligibility. And if he gets it, this Gophers defensive backs room could be really nice because not only is he a really nice talent that could slot in and make an impact on that nickel position, give some rotation and different looks with Jack Henderson, but also it gives more depth to the cornerback room that Coach Fleck mentioned yesterday has been impressing him. He said the guys they pulled out of the portal, they are very impressed with in Trayvon Jones, in Tyler Bride. And he also said the young guys have really stood out to him, the new young guys, new young guys being Zaquan Bryan, the only cornerback that came in from this recruiting class. But he also mentioned Evan Redding has changed positions from wide receiver to cornerback in that he has had some natural instincts at the position, made a really good play on that first day of practice. So they're getting some more depth in there. That's not to mention Rylan Kelly, who was redshirt freshman last year. That's not to mention Tariq Watson, who was a redshirt freshman last year. So now it feels like that cornerback room is really building out some depth and it's not a scramble to be able to cover some of these heavy passing offenses that we have to deal with in the 2023 season. That intrigues me. So that will be something we will pay attention to in fall campus. How is that cornerback room shaking out? And if Craig McDonald can get that eligibility, I think we can have a lot of confidence in this defense, though you already should because Joe Rossi has proven time and time again that he will make it work with the personnel that he has on hand. Now, the final thing that I wanted to take from yesterday's presser before we dive into our Michigan talk is that we heard something, a little tidbit from Coach Fleck yesterday that really stood out to me. When he was talking about the defensive line, he mentioned that Coach Winston DeLatibadir is actually possibly the best defensive line coach that he has worked with in his time as a head coach and what he brings out of his young men and how quickly they grasp onto the new concepts and he helps kind of bring that new insight and that new new elements of their game out onto the field. Now, that's high praise especially since we haven't even gotten to the full season yet. That tells you how much of an impact, how much energy Coach Debo is bringing to this program. And that should give you new life as a Gophers fan because the defensive line has been the problem this past season when it comes to pressures, when it comes to getting home on sacks. But if we can bring out new wrinkles, new elements, and new energy to these defensive linemen, the young talent that we know is in that room, in Devin Eastern, in Anthony Smith, Hayden Schwartz, Kyler Baugh, Logan Richter, Jalen Logan Redding, if we can bring out those elements in these guys, this defense could be nasty again. I mean nasty. So I'm excited. I'm excited about how this defense could shape out and it will be something to keep an eye on for fall camp. But let's get back to behind the enemy lines. Today we are talking about the Michigan Wolverines and the changes that happened with them. That is what is coming up next. First, I got to talk to you about our friends over at eBay Motors. That's the 
spot where you want to go when it comes to finding auto parts that fit right for your vehicle. Because every championship team is made of the perfect players with the right fit. Well, every vehicle needs parts of the perfect fit and the right fit to take you to the finish line. Now, next time you need parts, head on over to ebaymotors.com. They've got a guaranteed fit where you can be sure every part fits right the first time. You just enter the type of vehicle you have in my garage, and then you say what parts you need. And if you see a green check mark next to it, that means it is a guaranteed fit or your money back. So you can rest assured that with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. And it's easy as that. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right price over at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, Gophers fans, thank you so much for listening to Locked On Golden Gophers, making us your first listen when it comes to Gophers Daily Sports. Now, we are doing this thing daily, and tomorrow we're going to get into the Hawkeyes, the rivals, the game we haven't been able to win yet. What will it take and what changes have they had? We'll talk about that tomorrow, so be sure to hit subscribe and make sure you're an everydayer. You'll know about every single opponent, and then we'll move on into breaking down every single position group of the Gophers roster before kickoff on 831. So you'll get all the information you need to know. But let's dive into Michigan, the week six opponent. Now, the changes, look, overall, it's not too many changes on the coaching front. You've got Jim Harbaugh on a roll of domination right now, winning back-to-back years in the Big Ten Conference. But now he has to get over the hump and get to the national championship, but also win the national championship with how much hype they get year after year. So that is the goal for the Michigan Wolverines in the 2023 season. Now, they've got a new guy at the offensive coordinator position by himself. He was a co-offensive coordinator the year prior, but Sharon Moore is now the singular offensive coordinator. He's in his sixth year with the program, third year as an offensive line coach, and first year as a solo offensive coordinator. Now, I don't expect many changes to happen. As we know, Jim Harbaugh has a lot of decisions and a lot of say in the offense as well, so it's going to run smoothly as we've seen over the last few years. On the defensive side of the ball, we've got Jess Minter, who is the defensive coordinator for his second season with Michigan. Now, last year, we saw a team that was absolutely nasty and have defensive success all over the board. And guess what? I don't think that is going to trip up or slip up. And we will talk about the defensive changes in just a moment. But impact transfers coming in for the Wolverines. Josiah Stewart coming from Coastal Carolina, an edge rusher, big time get for them. Ladarius Henderson, an offensive lineman transferring in from Arizona State. A.J. Barner, a tight end from Iowa. Miles Hinton, an offensive lineman from Stanford. Drake Nugent, an offensive lineman from Stanford. And then Ernest Hausman, a linebacker from Nebraska. All Power 5 players coming into Michigan, ready to potentially jump into major minutes, major snaps from the jump. Now, the quarterback with Michigan is the same guy we saw last year, J.J. McCarthy. Last year, nine of his 14 games he played in last year had 25 pass attempts or less. So they weren't really forcing him to sling the ball last year, and he might not have to again this year with both of his running backs coming back again. But five of those nine passing games where he had 25 or less passing attempts, five out of the nine of those, he had less than 20 passing attempts. So similar to what Ethan Kaliak Manis was getting because the leash was kind of held tight and because you didn't want to overwhelm the redshirt freshman. 
Well, that was it was the similar case with attempts for J.J. McCarthy, but it wasn't due to overwhelming. It was due to the all-star, rock star talent that Michigan had in that running back room and on the offensive line, not needing to really throw the ball like crazy. That goes to show you how dominant this run game was last year and probably will truly be again this year. But if you look at the five games where he went over 25 pass attempts, Versus Maryland, you'll see that he was 18 for 26 for 220 yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions. Versus IU, he was 28 for 36, 304 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Rutgers, 13 for 27, 151, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Versus Illinois, he was 18 for 34 for 208 yards. And then versus TCU in the college football playoff, he was 20 for 34 for 343 yards, two touchdowns, but two interceptions. Now, overall, in those five games, he went 62% throwing, which isn't terrible, for 1,126 yards, nine touchdowns, and three interceptions. So he saw 41% of his yardage and 41% of his total touchdowns last year in those five games. So when they do give him the opportunity to throw the ball a lot, he can get it done. He has the ability. But More interceptions, more turnover-worthy plays do come at risk with more of those attempts. So through it all, I think Michigan and their their quarterback has gained a lot of confidence in their young signal caller. But I don't know if we'll see a lot of more, more usage from him in the 2023 season. Now, that confidence is there so much so that Jim Harbaugh actually likened his leadership and has compared his leadership to that of a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen. Now, that's high praise, and supposedly some scouts think he could be the best quarterback in the entire country when it comes to QB talent for the 2024 draft. Not sure I'm there. That seems like a far stretch, but J.J. McCarthy can definitely hold his own. Now, flipping to the running back side of things, this is possibly the best running back room in the nation. Blake Corum had 1,463 rush yards, 18 touchdowns last year, was a Heisman candidate, and yet they still had another running back who almost cracked the 1,000 yards right behind them with Donovan Edwards, who had 991 rush yards, seven rushing touchdowns, along with 200 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns. So they have a Heisman candidate player in Blake Corum, and a guy who didn't miss a beat behind him. Now, when Blake Corum went down with injury, Donovan Edwards was asked to step up versus Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game against Purdue, and then in the college football playoff against TCU. In those games, he had 216 yards and two touchdowns versus Ohio State, 185 yards and a touchdown versus Purdue, and 119 total yards or rush yards versus TCU. And what's really not fair about the running back room is that it may have their next two guys in line to fill those voids. Once those two running backs go to the NFL, they already have two true freshmen that could both fill those voids and look like the future in Benjamin Hall and Cole Cabana. Cole Cabana more in that Edwards role and Benjamin Hall more in the quorum role. Michigan's reign is just getting started, and that is a scary thing because this running back room is not slowing down. Now, on the wide receiver side of things, does it matter? Did you not just hear what I said about the running backs? But on the real, they've got some talent in the wide receiver room as well. It's just a matter of will they capitalize on it. Their 2022 class of recruiting class 
had three receivers that were very highly rated, and Jim Harbaugh called them potentially the most talented receivers he's had in his time with the program, and yet they all redshirt. And Darius Clemens, Armarion Walker, and Tyler Morris, all three of those guys have a ton of upside, a ton of talent, and you still have veterans like Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson who will be back to lead the way for the Michigan Wolverines in that wide receiver room. A tight end and Colson Loveland, who is going to be heavily in, uh, included in this offense as well. And even after losing Ronnie Bell, their number one receiver from last year, Michigan is not hurting for talent in the wide receiver department. And then you move to offensive line. An offensive line, if anything wants to give this running back room a run for its money as the best group in and on their team, the offensive line can do that big Big 10 media days. Jim Harbaugh even said that he thinks he has 10 starting caliber offensive linemen. Now, when you're looking at the interior core, the two guards in the center, it looks like they might have their starters already locked in with Trevor Keegan and Zach Zinter as the guards leading the way, returning as starters from last year. And then Drake Nugent, who is a two-year starter from uh, Stanford, who looks like he will likely be the center playing this season as well. Now, Zach Zinter had a pass blocking grade of a 77.4 and a run block grade of 74.9. Both were rock star numbers. He's one of the best linemen in the country returning, especially in the Big Ten. So that those three will hold the interior down. Then they've got four tackles that will all be in competition this uh, fall camp to see who will start. They've got Ladarius Henderson, the transfer from Arizona State. They've got Hinton the transfer from Stanford. Then they've got Carson Barnett, who started at right tackle last season, and Trent uh, Trent Jones, who was the sixth offensive lineman last year, played at tackle last season on both the left and right sides and had very much a staple cons- of consistency for the Michigan Wolverines with a run block grade of 74 and a pass block grade of 75, both really good numbers for the offensive line. Now they have a ton of starting experience, size, and possibly six draft can it draft worthy names on the offensive line so they're not going anywhere that's the problem on offense so what does it look like on defense well defense last year they had a sixth in the nation in total defense seven in the nation seventh in the nation in run defense 20th in the nation in pass defense and seventh in the nation in scoring defense they lost four guys to the nfl and Maisie smith mike morris dj turner and jer or and green but all of that being said They brought in a huge transfer in Josiah Stewart from Coastal Carolina. And in his first two seasons with Coastal, he recorded 16 sacks, four forced fumbles, and 81 quarterback pressures. That is what Michigan added from the transfer portal. Along with a starting linebacker from Nebraska who has started Big Ten games and has production in this conference. And then you pair that to returners like Chris Jenkins, who had a PFF grade of 80.7 on the D-line. Will Johnson, who was a DB, who had an 88.2 PFF grade. Rod Moore, who was a safety, who had an 83.8 PFF grade. Uh, Mike Sandstrill, I said his name absolutely wrong, but we're running with it. PFF grade of 83.3 as a DB. Uh, Linebacker in Mike Barrett, who was a 75.7. Junior Colson, a linebacker, who was 75.5. And Keyshawn Harris, who is stepping into more opportunities this year, but was a cornerback with an 82.5 grade. Now, for reference, the, the grading on the defensive side, look, an 80 is superb, is rock star play as any player of any position. When you get an 80 or above in a PFF grade, you know you're doing things right. Now, for reference, the Minnesota defense that was a top 10 to top 15 unit last year in the country 
had two players on it that ranked an 80 or above, and both of those players are gone, and Beanie Bishop and Terrell Smith. Michigan has five players returning that are graded an 80 or above, and they're adding a guy in the transfer portal in Josiah Stewart who came in at 78.3 and is right on the verge of an 80 as well. This defense is going to be scary again. But can the Gophers hang around? Can they pull an upset? Can they get a win at Huntington Bank Stadium? That's what we're going to talk about to close this one off, the make or break for the Gophers along with the strengths and weaknesses of Michigan. That's what's coming up next. All right, Gophers fans, can the Gophers pull off an upset versus Michigan at Huntington Bank Stadium in week Six. That is the biggest question of the season. It's make or break for Minnesota. And so what is the make or break? What is What can they do to get the win? And what I will tell you they cannot do is get into a ground and pound slugfest, a time of possession battle in which P.J. Fleck would normally like to play. You can't do that against this Michigan team. They win every time. Now, Michigan would love that approach because, like I said, they've got Blake Corum, they've got Donovan Edwards, and they've got two guys waiting in the wings to really run the ball and take the time of possession game in their favor. But what I think needs to be the blueprint for the Gophers in trying to beat Michigan is what Maryland did in 2022, attacking with pass catchers all over the field and keeping them on their toes, not knowing what's happening, finding whatever available or whatever opening is there, whatever slight window is there, taking it and capitalizing on it. Now, Maryland had put 10 players last year, catch a pass in that game against Michigan with even distribution and yardage across the entirety of those 10 pass catchers. All of them caught between one and four receptions, truly keeping the defense guessing all over the field. Now, Minnesota has the talent to do that same thing. We just talked about Daniel Jackson, Chris Ahmed Bell, Elijah Spencer, Corey Kroom, Lamecki Brockington, Christian Hoskins, Brevin Spanford. That's seven passing options right there to keep them on their heels. And then if you can get the running backs involved, who can also catch the ball, the, all these running backs in our running back room have the ability to catch the ball. If you can get them all incorporated, that's 10 right there. 10 options that you can get this ball distributed and keep Michigan on their heels. Now, Maryland lost that game by a single score. And the biggest thing that possibly led to Maryland losing that game was not keeping the, the clean turnover sheet. They weren't keeping the ball in their hands. They had two interceptions in that game. And if you want any shot at beating this Michigan team with talent at every single position group, you have to play a clean turnover-free game. So if Maryland doesn't have those two interceptions, they possibly beat Michigan last year. One could argue Ohio State played a similar game style, passing the ball all over, mainly to their two stars, but they had talent all over where they were really keeping Michigan guessing. And they were in the game up until the third quarter where they turned the ball over two times, and Michigan ran away with it from there, capitalizing with two breakaway 75-yard touchdowns and really icing the game away from Ohio State. So there is the opportunity. The Gophers could make something happen if they can keep a clean turnover game and they can really keep Michigan's defense guessing by even an equal distribution all over the field and taking the openings that provide themselves. Even Rutgers last year was up at halftime before turning the ball over three times in the third quarter. And then Michigan ran away with that from there. They had the confidence and the energy to take it over from there. So the biggest thing the Gophers have to do is 
play a clean ball game, no interceptions, no fumbles, and keep Michigan's defensive unit guessing by distributing the ball all over. This Gophers has the depth. Gophers team has the depth to do it, but it's a tall task regardless. It is a tough ask, and we'll see if they can get it done. Now, the strengths of Michigan, we talked about they have a balance and attack if they need, but they have the best running backs and offensive linemen in the country, and that could give Minnesota major troubles. Three of last year's four losses the Gophers had, they got eight up on the ground. Maccabee had 112 rush yards and a touchdown versus Purdue. Chase Brown had 180 rushing yards on the Gophers, including 53 receiving yards and a touchdown on the Gophers. And then Nick Singleton and Catron Allen at Penn State combined for 156 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. So that's going to be tough. You have to find a way to slow Michigan's running backs down. On top of that, they do have an elite quarterback talent, and they have a top defense and defense that did damage with their defensive coordinator last year. Even with the four departures to the NFL, they likely won't miss a beat. Now, the weaknesses of Michigan are that they don't like to rely on the passing game. And so if you can put J.J. McCarthy in a position where he has to pass the ball 30-plus times, he shows that he can do that. He has the ability and the arm talent to do it. But it often leads to turnover opportunities as well, which the Gophers could try and capitalize on. So Michigan's going to be tough, but it is at home and there is a window, a window you can capitalize on to possibly upset the back-to-back Big Ten champions. We'll see if it happens. We'll see what happens with the Gophers this upcoming season. But tomorrow we're talking Iowa on the Behind the Enemy Lines. I hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get the podcast and subscribe over on YouTube. As always, throw the boat, Sky Yuma, go Gophers, and I will see you tomorrow.